Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we're going to be talking about a combination of this week's Parsha, which, which is Parsha Tzav, and also Pesach, which of course begins this Motzei Shabbos. So what we're going to look at today is the role that chametz and Matzah play in the Korbanot. The, which is, means the sacrifices that are being offered in the temple, which is the very long subject of the book of Leviticus. So right now we're all busy cleaning because in our minds, there's eight days a year when chametz is not allowed in our homes, right? There is a year, of course it is, and it gets everywhere and in every crevice, but eight days a year, you have to completely get rid of it. And so we're cleaning and we're driving ourselves crazy with that. But really the funny thing is that in the Beta Midash, the absence of chames was a constant reality. There are multiple offerings that are listed, many, many, and many of them are grain offerings, but they're not allowed to be chames. Chames was almost never allowed in the Beit HaMikdash. We're going to talk about that almost in a minute, right? It was almost completely banned from the altar. So it's kind of funny that we think of it as this like one time a year, big event where we go nuts, but really this was the constant reality for the Kohanim and in the Beit HaMikdash. Now, the Rambam argues that the reason the chametz is almost always banned from the Beit HaMikdash is because it's really all a reference to the idolaters. And so he believes that we have the Korbanot in the first place because that was the way that people worshiped their gods at the time, through sacrifice. And so that God gave us the system because not having that system would be too difficult, um, too esoteric, too, too detached from reality for us. But he said, he argues, there are two things, well, a few more than two, but here are two things that God commanded us to do that differentiates us from the idolaters. One is that they we couldn't use seor, the leavening agent, because that's dafka, what the idolaters used. Also the same thing, we're not allowed to have honey because that, once again, is what the idolaters used. They also didn't allow salt, he says, which is why we Dafka use salt. Um, so this is a way of saying, okay, our systems look similar, but banning chametz differentiates us from the pagan worship and says this is specifically about God and is different than anybody else. Now, this is an interesting explanation and technical explanation, but there's one problem, which is going back to the almost that we said a minute ago. Chametz is almost banned from the altar, except that there are two kinds of sacrifices that Dafka do have chametz. The korban toda, which is the korban that one offers as gratitude to God after surviving a dangerous situation, and the shetei alechem for Shavuot. So, any explanation that we have of why chametz generally is not allowed in the Beit HaMikdash has to also accommodate the fact that there are these two exceptions. So we have to strive to find an explanation that could kind of, you know, walk that tightrope and, and hold both of those ideas at the same time. And so I wanted to turn to another ex, um, explanation, right? The Rambam, as we said, is technical, it's literal. But I want to look now at a more metaphoric, uh, way of discussing matzah and chametz. And I saw this really beautiful explanation. Um, I didn't see the name who was attributed to, but I thought it was so an unknown name. Um, and I thought it was just a really, really beautiful idea and wanted to build off of that. And the argument is that chametz and matzah represent people. 
And it represents that people, we all start out the same, right? Both chametz and matzah at their core are flour and water. So just like that, all human beings, when we're created, we're, we're sort of made out of the same simple ingredients, right? We all can be reduced to the same simple, humble core of who we are. Bread represents the diversification of people, right? You can add extra ingredients. You add yeast. And so literally that person grows. And so what this explanation argues is along with that growth, along with that differentiation can sometimes come, well, always comes with that a sense of self, but sometimes can also involve ego, right? You inflate the chametz at the same time represents growth, but also represents the possibility for the inflation of ego, for the possibility of getting comfortable with your life and forgetting your more humble origins. Whereas matzah remains in those humble origins, it remains simple and flat, and it serves as a reminder of our original versions of ourselves, untouched by the more problematic parts of us. And so, what does this have to do with the korbanot? When we bring the korbanot, especially in situations when it's after we've committed a sin, many people, including the Ramban, say that the korban is actually supposed to represent ourselves, right? We look at the, 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 we look at the animal or we look at the, the flower substance and we say, oof, you know, that that's really should be us. Um, but it's not us. Instead, we use a symbol for ourselves. And so what does the matzah do? The matzah is there and it reminds ourselves that though we may have gotten a bit haughty, we may have gotten a bit carried away, we should try to return to the scaled back version of ourselves. We should try to remember our humble core. As we said, that especially makes coheres for the sin offerings, right? Which represents that we got a little bit carried away. We forgot the rules, right? We forgot the most important parts of ourselves. And so the mantra reminds us, you gotta scale yourself back down. You gotta, you gotta reevaluate um, where your life has taken you. Okay, but then how do we then explain the two exceptions, the Korban Toda and the Shteya So this explanation actually coheres beautifully. So the Korban Toda is offered after a person has escaped a situation of danger. And it's offered as a toda, as a thank you to God for having protected us during that time, whether it's a, a medical situation or an external threat, etc. Right? You, you're, you're in this dangerous moment. It's terrified you. Thank God you survive. And you want to say thank you. And so what do you do? You bring a korban to God to say thank you. So why does this one have chametz? Well, the argument is because that scary situation has already humbled you. You don't need to look at the matzah and remember that at the core of humanity, we're all the same. We're all simple. We're all, you know, humble. We, we lack ego. This life or death situation you've just escaped, that's already reminded you. You're probably still scared. You might very likely be traumatized. And you don't need to remember that you need, that you are humble because you already know that. You know that you're vulnerable. And so, Dafka, we have the chametz then, because it reminds you of the possibility of regrowth. It reminds you that as time goes on, you can return to yourself again after this traumatic experience. Now, how does this then translate to Shavuot as well? And I think that this, it, it, it comes together with a beautiful message about Pesach and both about this year specifically. So on Pesach, we get rid of all the chametz. We get rid of all the chametz in our homes, 
Hopefully we have enough bandwidth to try to think also about getting rid of the chametz in our lives and how we can return to our core. But with the message of having chametz, the Shteya on Shavuot, reminds us that that's not the entire story. Because at the same time that we strip away all the chametz, we are just, we make ourselves matzah, we also have the omer that leads us, that we count to Shavuot, that reminds us that part of life is the swelling and the growing and the adding of the new ingredients. And I think then sends the message more that it's really about striking a positive balance between these two, instead of saying that any sense of growth or success is automatically negative. It has the possibility to be negative, but it isn't automatically negative. And I think that this message is so appropriate for this year. This pandemic has reduced many of us to matzah. It stripped away our confidence. It stripped away our belief in, in, in so for some of us, in the goodness of the world. It took away our enjoyment of the world, right? It's cut out a lot of the pleasure. People are more, been more depressed, right? We've been more alone. It's reduced us to matzah, to, matzah, to a flat two-dimensional object. But part of that stripping away of the matzah, of the chametz to be just matzah, has also led to positive developments. Once we stripped away the chametz, some of us have been reevaluating their lives, right? Some people are looking around and saying, why do I have this job? I hate this job. Why do I live in this place? I hate this place. You know, why don't I just move to so-and-so? Why don't I just do this? Why don't I just do that? There's been, in stripping away the chametz, there's been a lot of potential in that matzah. The matzah has brought a lot of pain, but also provided an interesting opportunity for people to reevaluate their lives. And now we are in this liminal, Pesach is a liminal space this year. So the vaccine, thank God, is spreading more and more every day. Some people might be able to celebrate Pesach with a limited number of relatives or friends in a way that was impossible last year. We, we, we've been in this state of matzah for so long. But now also on the horizon is the chametz of Shavuot, is knowing that, God willing, in the next couple months, all adults will be vaccinated, that we will be able to continue to return to life that is more and more normal, but not just normal, also renewed with new opportunities for growth, with new opportunities for diversification. And that really is what Shavuot represents, right? We are literally now beginning the process of looking towards Shavuot and the Shteyalechem, but we're also metaphorically looking now towards Shavuot as the possibility of the time when we're gonna have an abundance, we're gonna swell, we're, we're gonna grow, we're gonna have the kind of joy that we haven't felt for so long. And so remember that you know, while that has the potential to get carried away, that also really has the potential for new and wonderful things. So I wanted to wish everyone happy cleaning, and I really join you in, in looking forward to a time when we can celebrate together and enjoy each other's company. Shabbat Shalom and Chag Sameach.